unrepentant, and in your face with a style that is always funny, fresh, and never boring. Join Delhi as he discusses various relevant and trending topics as he keeps you informed, engaged, and entertained. Welcome to Soul Food and Lemonade. Hello everyone, welcome to this edition of Soul Food and Lemonade. Soul Food, the knowledge that we drop and the lemonade is what you gain from this. And this is going to be an awesome show. You may be wondering why I don't have a shirt shirt on today. It's kind of warm in here. Craig seemed to be okay and... Um, Right now, I just want to introduce you to this young man. He's 23 years old, very knowledgeable young man. He's lived the life of a 70-year-old, 60-year-old. <laughs> you know, but he's just a joy to uh, be around and to talk to. And so, um, Craig, would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, yes, give us indeed. a little background. Beautiful. I am Craig Bradley. I am 23 years old, born and raised in Irvington, New Jersey. Uh, I am a speaker. I am a artist. I am a creative in general. Um, and most importantly, I am a fighter for our community. I'm just trying to educate, liberate, and free the minds of the majority of Black people and the masses of all people. So, um, I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. Good to have you here. It really is a pleasure. So, uh, Craig. Yes, yes. Um, were you born in Irvington? I was born in Newark, New Jersey. Oh, you're born in Newark? Yeah, born okay. in Newark. Okay, now you reside in Irvington, correct? Yeah, so I was born in Newark. I moved to Irvington when I was about... Oh, I was in Irvington for about 15 years of my life. Okay. Yeah, 15 years or so of my life. And then from there, I moved over into East Orange mm -hmm. as a young adult on my own at 19. So, yeah, Nork born there, Irvington raised there. And then I ventured out on my own into East Orange. Nice, nice. So, you currently in East Orange? Or? Yes, currently oh, okay. in East Orange. Somehow well. I thought you were in Irvington. No, East Orange. Now, what, what has been your... Um, your uh, most memorable childhood growing up? Uh, childhood moment growing up, I would say some of the most memorable moments I've ever had was spending time with friends. Um, we used to do things like manhunt. We would play football at the parks. We would do daylight dummies, if you know what that is. What's it's daylight like, dummies? It's like manhunt, but for the daytime. Oh, yeah, literally. Never heard that one yeah, before. You, you play in the daytime, you go bang on somebody's door or something and run away. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but yeah, mostly it's like manhunt. So AKA troublemaking. Troublemaking. <laughs> troublemaking. But yeah, you'll have two teams, and then one person would be it. And then as they catch people, they join their team. Same exact thing. Okay, okay. But yeah, that was beautiful. And then I would say, um, Spending time with family. So we would go bike riding sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's one of my favorite memories as a child is going bike riding with my brother and my mother. And yeah, that was the first time I did no hands on a bike. We have the video and everything. Oh, really? Yeah. It's oh, a, nice. It's a nice. Moment. Nice. And uh, you attended Essex County? College? Yeah. I graduated from 
Essex in 2019. What did you study? Business administration. Oh, mm -hmm. that 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 explains your business acumen. <laughs> yeah, I went there, studied business administration, mm -hmm. and then um, yeah, graduated in 2019. It seems like a long time ago, but it was like I graduated in 2016. 2016 2015 and 2016 i graduated yeah. from high school in 2016 oh my god high oh. school 2016 so in other words i am old <laughs> <laughs> young young i am old yes indeed now um let me ask you this you are obviously of a um an entrepreneur mindset yes why is that and um you know what led you to that? Was that something you've always wanted to to do, own your own business, your own companies? Uh, to a degree, I don't think I understood it in the beginning as that. Mm -hmm. Where in the start it was like, oh, I'm gonna have my own businesses and I'm gonna be an entrepreneur. I didn't even know that word in the beginning. So um, for me, it started off as just a young hustler. Oh, okay. Where I wanted money. And I seen that the only way to make money was by having a job, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't really want to work a job. I want to just make money. So um, I went to this place called Gino's Pizzeria. And Gino's Pizzeria, I asked him, hey, I would like a job. And he was like, you know, you're too young to work here. But you could go ahead. How old were you at that time? I was probably like 12 years old wow. or something. <laughs> yeah. I was like 12. Yeah. So they were like, um, you can't work here. But you could deliver these flyers, right? Mm. So they gave me a, a stack of flyers, and I go and hand them out. I hand them out on every single block up and down Grove Street, mm. the strip, and then up and down every single hill. And I came back, and the guy gave me $20. Oh, so that was your first? That was, that was my first paycheck. I introduction to, yeah, wow. I quit the same day. <laughs> because it took yeah, twenty dollars yeah. for all the stock of flyers. Right? Um, yeah, I just felt like he didn't pay me enough. Okay. Um, I knew my value kind of early on, where I was like, I won't work for pennies, and um, that was the start of my entrepreneurial journey. That's good. So you get a taste of how cruel the business yes. is. <laughs> yes, yes, pretty much. Yeah. That is funny. It was That's just a. It was something that to me early on, I knew that I didn't want to work for a small amount of money. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I didn't want to work for anyone else. Right, right. So, yeah, um, that was my first experience with entrepreneurship. And from there, I guess I could go down the timeline a little bit. From there, I did get a couple of jobs. Um, but I've, I've, I can count on my hand how many jobs I've had over my whole life. Oh, okay. Right. So Gino's Pizzeria would have been number one. Number two was working for a camp. I did food service and then recreational service for a camp in Irvington mm -hmm. for about three years or so. Then I started working at an oil shop, um, selling oils, body oils, which I created another business out of that. And then my last job that I ever had was working for a bank. So okay. I've, I've had four jobs in my life. Oh, nice, nice. That's That's good. Yeah. Because a lot of people your age who probably have no job or one job, mm -hmm. you know, you've had four. Shoot, I know some people that's my age that have had like 25 jobs. Yeah, because they keep quitting. They, they keep quitting and bouncing around and going not, different places. Yeah, that's not necessarily good. Yeah, uh, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> now, my next question to you would be this. Um, what is your passion 
Mm. Um, what would you? What do you see yourself doing um, professionally, or as that ideal career path for yourself? That's, what do you think that would be? I'm thinking about that question more and more every day. I think, mm -hmm. like, because number one, I want to speak to the people. Okay. Right? My overall goal, and my overall goal is to liberate and free the minds of our people. All right. But when we think about what that means, that means I have to be somewhat of a pioneer or the person that's up front and speaking to people, possibly teaching the people and then leading them to what freedom looks like. Mm. So for me, number one is liberation, right? So just being a liberator, uh, um, that that's my number one. But I, I, I guess I would do that by speaking and creating. So those are my two priorities. I want to be able to speak to the people and then I want to be able to create arts freely. Now, my next question is this, um, being that you are still young, mm -hmm. how do you think um, people would um, receive your message? Do you think that it would be an easy thing or would you think there would be a little challenging, especially in the beginning? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing that I will have to overcome is myself. Right? Mm -hmm. When... I, I think I'll be my biggest critique. I think I'll be my biggest uh, naysayer. Do you get nervous when you speak to, uh, to people? Do I you? used to get really nervous in front of small crowds. Okay. It's, it's weird, right? Like a big crowd, I'm fine. A small crowd, it, it's nerve-wracking. Um, it's not really weird. I think what it is that you feed off the energy yeah. of a bigger crowd. Yeah. I'm the same when I sing, but uh, over a time, I got used to yeah. singing, even if it's two or three people. That's you know, the, I give it the same passion and energy yes. I would have given if I'm in an auditorium with a thousand or a more thousand people. Plus. You know, um, that that comes over a time. You know, because initially you're going to be nervous like me for years, many, many years. I was a nervous wreck when I have to go sing before a crowd. Mm. But once I open my mouth, close my eyes, which is not recommended <laughs> when you sing, but that's just me. Keep your eyes open. Keep my eyes closed and I belt my note out. And then just the reaction of the crowd mm. after that sometimes is amazing, you know. Yeah. But, um. It gets it gets used to it yeah. after a while. I think those are the things that you can't necessarily practice for. It just takes the doing. And you can predict sometimes. Yeah, you know, like you know. like you know what possibly gets a person going yeah. or what gets the crowd hyped Rolled up, up and you uh, know riled up. Yeah. But it's it's a constant trial and error where it's just I, I have to see first. Mm -hmm. You know, some people want to and that's my biggest problem being a perfectionist as we talked about earlier is um, sometimes you want to be perfect for the crowd. Right. You know, and being perfect for the crowd is usually what turns the crowd off. The best thing to do is to be yourself, yes. you know, because people can see through you. Mm. You know, people can see through you, even as a singer, even as a, uh, whatever you do. The more real you are, the the more effect the better the effect mm -hmm. or the experience yes. for others you know um yeah mm. yeah 
Now, um, I know you're passionate about um, the lives of black people. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what what would you hope to see in the next three to five years? Um, what are some of the um, advances that you'd like to see in the lives of our, our own people? That's a, that's a really good question. Thank um, you. I, I believe first thing I would like to see out of all things in the next three to five years, and this kind of sounds cliche when, when certain people bring this up, but I would love to see the era of like, let's say like 70s, 80s, you know, like when we were black and proud where we were just constantly obsessed, not obsessed with, but before you were born, we had this really proud, we had this, we had pride about, exactly. Yeah. We were, we were in love with ourselves. We respected ourselves. We cared for ourselves. And as a reflection of that, we cared for one another and Mm -hmm. loved one another and respected one another. So I think just seeing our people get back to that. But do you think, do you honestly think that in this technological age where there's so much distractions from so many different levels that um, we stand a chance to get back to that place? Yeah, Um, I think, I think we do. I think, as we were saying earlier, everything deals with mindset. So Mm -hmm. it's going to take a long time of us convincing ourselves that we're in a situation that we're not in as of yet. So we have to literally just play the 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 pretend game for a while, right? So even if there's not that kind of black pride and, and that black power fake it till you make it kind of situation. Yeah. We 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 have to just change the trends. We have to get to a point where it's cool to be smart. Mm. It's cool to be prideful. It's cool to be you know, like all of these different yeah. things. So I think in the next three to five years, that's number one. Um, just developing our self-love, um, the love for each other, and mm-hmm. the love of being black. Right. That, that's number one that I would like to see in the next three to five. Um, the next thing I would love to see is just the collective effort, mm-hmm. right? Meaning that we have to um, refute the stigmas that we have of we can't work together and we can't do this together. And, we and there's a this. lot of that out there. Yeah, we got to get rid of all of that. So um, one of the main things we always say is unlearn and relearn everything that you know. Yeah. Right. So we have to go through a extensive program of unlearning first. Right. And once we start to unlearn all of the things that we have learned over the years, now we can start to relearn what is important. So um, an intervention program like um, is very important. We We need to sit down. We need to talk about the traumas. We need to talk about the things that have been done to us, and then also the things that we do to ourselves, right? Because in other words, we need to be honest about our yes. own, our yes, whole entire situations, yes. we, um, whatever they may be. Because there's certain things that we're at fault for. Yes, right? um, we still have to understand that, even though we're having this conversation on a worldly level, there's a spiritual aspect to it that we have to address as well. Mm-hmm. And we have been disobeying the orders of the Most High for a very long time. And that is some of the reasons that we're going through the things that we're going through. So just addressing all of these things and understanding how spirituality, how the mindset, how our physicality, meaning diet and the things that we do on a day-to-day basis, 
um, how we how we even modify our bodies and different things. Yeah, we need to address all of this stuff and go back to our what we call roots. Talking about modify body, do you have any tattoos? No tattoos. Oh my god, no tattoos. Uh, you see, we have that in common. I I will never ever get a tattoo. That's it. Doesn't make sense. I to look me. at my skin as something that is beautiful. It's a part and, of your temple. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I look at it at the skin as if it's in this state, especially, it's the most beautiful thing. If you want to think about tattoos, I have a birthmark, like a beauty mark right here. <laughs> On this hand, I have a couple of beauty marks. So one, two, three. You know, okay, okay. Th- those are my tattoos. I okay? um, my scars have become my beauty marks as well. So mm-hmm. those act as tattoos. Yeah. Um, tattoos should be markings that tell where you've been in life or what you have gone through possibly. And, and I don't think there's anything that has enough meaning for me to write it on my skin rather than write it in a book or write it in something else. I just find my skin to be too beautiful to put ink to it. Well, uh, if you're just joining this conversation, you are listening to a 23-year-old young man who is, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Way beyond his years is what I'm trying to say. Um, (laughs) he's way beyond his years at 23 years old and let let me tell you guys i could listen to this guy we were talking for a very long time and we we just came out of a a beautiful four hour like conversation yeah we should have been recording this (laughs) whole thing but you know what it is what it is you're going to be hearing a lot more from this young man um now my next question to you craig if there's one thing that you love about being black and love about black people what would be that singular thing that you love the most about your blackness black people in general you know i was thinking about this a little bit oh you were earlier today and between like today and yesterday Mm -hmm. um i think the thing that i love the most about being black is the fact that it's undeniable Mm. it's 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 there it's evident it's it's something that you wear proudly and it's a badge of honor from god you know um i read song of solomon and it said in the bible that god said i am black right so i think that's the ultimate thing in in the world is to be a black man or a black woman and the pride that comes with it the the um the badge of honor that that just comes with all of that is is something that only is given to our our group of people and do you think this is why we go through so much yes the rest of the because with great honor comes great responsibility Mm. right so we have to hold our heads higher than most because we lead by example we have to um smile brighter than most because we are the the pinnacle we light up even in the dark we we are the light (laughs) you know we are the light so i just think um it's the fact that being black is undeniable Right, it's not something that you can hide, no matter how much you want to hide it. Sometimes it's not something that you can escape with the with the uh, change of a hairstyle or anything else. You know, so a lot of us go through these phases where we're changing our clothes that we wear and we change our our hairstyles and yeah. so many other things. You can't change your skin. You know, we were talking about that hair thing, that mm-hmm. weave thing, yeah. uh, earlier, and um, I find. Uh, Anyone with their natural hair, mm-hmm. whether you're black or otherwise, I find that natural hair 
especially in black people, mm-hmm. I find it to be so beautiful. Yes. You know, yes. Um, when we look at the hair, right? Like seeing a black woman with an afro is one of the uh, most. Oh man! Oh it's, yeah! It's it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's it's an amazing thing to see because once again, it def- it 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 just defies all of the laws, right? Like it's <laughs> not supposed to be that way, but it's exactly that way. Yeah. Like, how does your afro stand? on its own own. you know um when a woman wears braids you know or she has locks Mm. or even even for the black man um we are obsessed with haircuts and different things of that sort but um if we do things the way that god intended to we should let our hair just grow out yeah our antennas to the world so um understanding that as well i think that for me is over (laughs) I'm not going bald or anything. I just choose to shave it. Choose to shave it. Yeah. Now, um, racism. Mm -hmm. What is your thought on racism? And why do you think racism exists? Why does it seem to be eternal, (laughs) if you may? Um, Yeah. What's your thought on racism? So racism, one of the greatest definitions that I've ever heard was this was... um, a competition or a race meaning to compete against, right? And then the a system, right? Yeah. So, yeah. um, Dr. Claude Anderson, he kind of broke it down like that. Where he, uh, was that's saying, who I listen to a lot. Yeah, I listen to beautiful him a lot. mind, yeah. beautiful mind. But he was breaking it down, basically saying that racism is supposed to, or or the battle of races is supposed to exist in the sense where, um, because there's only such limited resources there's Mm -hmm. only such things when we go into this race or this battle against one another it is for the fight of resources land wealth not necessarily not skin color it's not necessarily about skin color is it was never about skin color or anything it was just something that transitioned as they started to capture black people right. and then now racism became something that was specific to color right but it was never intended for it to be about okay you're black or anything else it was just the fact that your race is fighting for the same resources that right. my race is fighting right. for so therefore this race is about who's going to accumulate the most wealth and resources right so yeah i think i think racism is something that we have taken to another uh, another area well it's human nature to you know uh, try mm-hmm. to advance yeah. mm-hmm. especially things that are bad yeah. you know and, and the things that are bad we put so much emphasis on it yes so much know? emphasis so, yeah um i i don't know i think of course there's a degree of what we can call prejudice like we we broke that down a little bit earlier yeah prejudice definitely exists mm-hmm. it, it is something that is definitely in the air it's in like the air. i told you um before i come to the united states i have heard about racism i didn't really know what racism was but prejudice does exist yes. in in uh the caribbean mm-hmm. and beyond i'm sure but this idea of racism is um still i am not comfortable with it. Yeah. You know, nobody should ever get comfortable think, being racist or Yes, I think sometimes or the idea of racism. What what we're not comfortable with is the fact that we don't understand it as well. Yeah. Right? Because I if you ask me personally, I wouldn't know why I wouldn't like white people. 
you know you like, know i feel the same way mm-hmm. you know um it's it's it amazes me that um I really, I really don't have any hate in my heart for anybody, I, any race of people. That, to be honest with you, that's me naturally, you know? right? It like I don't have, I don't have the hate bone in my body. So even though I understand everything that has happened in the past, I personally don't have the hate towards any of the people that right. I come across. Now, if I was consumed by the the concept of racism, I know that. Or I would be told that I'm supposed to hate this group of people. Right. Right. I don't even understand the concept of them hating us because I've never done anything wrong to you. I've never disrespected you. Right. right, You know, so to me, it's very confusing. Right. But when we look at it from uh, our generational standpoint, what our parents went through or our parents' parents and so on and so forth. Now it's like I'm attached to it because you attacked my bloodline, you attacked my lineage, you mm-hmm. attacked my legacy. You know, so now from that perspective, I understand racism and what it does. But. And to be honest with you, I don't think a lot of, uh, I don't think the vast, um, uh, um, uh, the vast majority of black people, I don't think they hate white people either. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and you can see this on a daily basis. Black people interacting with white people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're interacting on a natural, that natural instinct of how people should interact. Yeah. I see it every day, whether at the the train station or and on the buses. You know, a white person may ask for direction, mm-hmm. may not ask a black person, may ask a, a, a white person for directions, and a black person end up giving the directions. Yeah. You know, um, and even general conversation, when you hate people, you don't talk to you them. Don't talk you, to don't, them. you don't want. You don't even want to see them in your. I you think don't even want them in your in your view. I can say this: I don't hate them. I just know I don't love them more than my own people. I've, absolutely, right? Not. Like I put my people first, and what I understand as is we that should, we should for sure. I, what I understand is that in nature, the number one law of nature is self-preservation. Yes. Right. Yes. And that means to fend for self, to provide for self, to give to self first mm-hmm. before any other group of people. So if you think about what white people do, if you think about what Hispanic people do, the Jewish community, um, Arabic people and so on and so forth, the number one thing that they practice is self-preservation. Yeah. They just fend for themselves and give to themselves first. They and you don't. see, you see that everywhere you turn. Being here in America, you see that uh, everywhere. And I can use the stores, mm-hmm. for example. Yes, yes. Um, people from other places who are non-blacks, they own a lot of the stores. But very, very, very rarely do you see a black person working in mm. their stores. They they are family oriented. Yeah. They are um, race oriented. You know, they look out for their own kind. Yeah. The Chinese, the Chinese do it. The Indians do it. Yeah. I, know. I think that's because they understand the laws of war. Right. And what our group of people forgot is that we're still at war. Yeah. We're still at uh, spiritual warfare. Spiritual mental warfare. warfare. Physical mm-hmm. warfare. You know, we're, we've been poisoned through food. We've been uh, manipulated in so many different ways. So it's it's still war at the end of the day. and Or, like we said earlier, battle. Right. Yeah. It's a battle, that whole word of racism. It's a it's a competition of some sort. And we forgot that we're competing with these people. 
right? So if they're on this team and I'm on this team, isn't the goal at the end of the day to win? Absolutely. Right? So therefore, I, I have to remember that it is a competition. And the only way to win is who scores the most points. Mm. Right now, we down a whole lot of points. And we have a lot of work to do. A whole lot of it. So the only I think the main thing for our people within like going back to that question of it within the next three to five years, I think I want our people to just realize that this is a battle. This is a war. This is a race. And until we start to treat it like that, we won't be able to win it. But um, one of the things that I see very prevalently living in our community is that we tend not to. We don't seem to love each other, mm. you know. Um, we're always at war with each other. Yes. For some very minute things at times, we're always ready to fight each other. Mm -hmm. um, could that be a combination? I'm just asking. I'm not sure. Yeah. Could that be a combination of just um, life in general, getting to people, um, the stress of everyday survival yeah um, um if you i'm gonna use nature as an example again if you put a, a wild animal in the corner you know the the, the yeah. next thing that is going to do is just fight for his life you know well, it, it, can't, it can't run anywhere so it's going to fight so we've been taught to fight 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 and that's all we know yeah and that's all we know and the one thing that we haven't been taught taught to do is fight back right? Fight back against the other, the, the oppressor, right? So we have gotten to a point where we've learned to take our anger out on each other. And I think, I think that fighting back too is also systemic, if you ask mm -hmm. me, because um, I think even in the time of slavery, when we were being whipped, mm -hmm. or our forefather, for, for parents or whoever were being whipped, they couldn't fight back because they know the consequence of them trying see, to fight back. They would be murdered. One, see, one of the things see. that I've been saying to myself is that you have to be willing to die for whatever you believe in. I believe right? that too. And one of the things that we've gotten to a point of is we're too scared of the consequences that's going to come from fighting back. Right. So how I look at it is, well, there was only one slave master. Right. And, and there, there was a hundred slaves. slaves. Yeah. If he was beating one of them, can he beat all 99 of us at the same time? Probably not. But he has a gun. <laughs> I'm willing to die. Yeah. You see what that, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, that so willingness to die. Yeah. Until we have that fearlessness within ourselves where we say, I'm willing to sacrifice my life for this cause, then we'll never have the results that we really want. Uh, that's true because... To be honest, that's what Martin Luther King Jr. does. Mm. Did he sacrificed his life? Malcolm X, I would say, sacrificed his life, yes. and all the others that have come and gone. They they made major sacrifices. That is why we are still here today, yes. to a great extent. And so, um, even on my podcast, some of the things that I talk about, someone who wasn't born in this country probably wouldn't be willing to talk about those mm -hmm. things because you know. Who knows if that other guy get back in the office, I may get deported. Am I concerned about that? Absolutely not. Just deport me. Don't kill me. Mm. I'm fine with being deported, mm. you know? Um, and I saw so you're right when you say people are scared to fight back. People 
people are not willing to die for what's right. And um, we have to rethink how we approach certain situations. Um, and I think one of the things that they used to dumb us down to is that you have to have peaceful protests. I yeah. don't think, I don't believe in that idea of peaceful protest. A protest was not meant to be peaceful. People are voicing their opinions mm -hmm. and they're standing up with their voice and, you know, with their actions. Um, I don't necessarily know if there's such a thing as a peaceful, peaceful protest. protest. Yeah. Um, I still try to even understand the whole concept of protest sometimes. Right, because um, sometimes marching in the street can be misconstrued or, or misinterpreted. Especially for us, especially yes. for us as black right. people. Um, we, we think that that's going to lead to immediate change where usually we're delayed our gratification over yes, time. Yes, yes. Right, so I think rather than marching on the street is about true organization and saying we're not going into this store, we're not going into this yeah, bank, yeah. we're not going to support this thing anymore. And but that was done in the in the sixties yeah. with the buses. The, uh, so yeah. that that's that's something that amazes me every time I, <laughs> I, I research it. Right, like just seeing that the bus boycott was successful. It was so successful that it almost put the bus industry out of right. business. Right, right. And the moment that they gave us the ability to sit on the seat in the bus that we wanted to sit in, we went back to going to their their transportation systems. I know we had in that point of time. In today's time, we had created the equivalent of what is Uber today. I know, right? And that, and that, <laughs> transporting age, each other, right? We were carpooling. We were um, finding different ways to make it, and we were doing it extremely well, so well that we did not need them anymore. But one of the things that that um, when I learned about it really shows you the extent at which white people would go to keep black folks out is the design of some of the bridges, yeah. you yeah. know, they know black folks travel by buses. So they designed the bridges lower so that the buses could not go through, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot I've learned over the last few years that when you really think about it, it's evil, yeah. pure evil. Yeah. We can't deny that. Right. Like, there are intentional things that have been done throughout the entirety of history that were put in our way as obstacles and hurdles so that we specifically cannot get over them, right? But and somehow we find a way. We find a way either <laughs> way, right? Yeah. Either yeah. way. Cause, and and that's, that's a part of being God's people. And I think that was, um, um, I think we found a way because people were willing to die. Yes. So that we could... It was that fearlessness. Yeah, that fearlessness, fearlessness. and that um, unselfish. So we, we think about it like this. If if I have nothing to lose and everything to gain, what would you do? I would I would want to gain everything. So we got to be willing to die for it. Yeah, you know, exactly. And, and, and that's the trade-off. That's the trade-off. Like a lot of people think about the fact that life is too good, right? Life is too good. I'm enjoying this. I'm comfortable. I'm... I'm, I'm satisfied. I'm content. Right. For me, it's like I I have to see all of us win in order for me to feel like I can right. celebrate the victory. Right. right. So right now, none of us are winning. And it's, uh, you know, I hear you say that. And it's the reason why 
we are so actively wanting the best for people in general because I believe that if one person wins, we all win Mm. if we put in the effort or if we work with that one person to get better every day. You know, um, life is such that it evolves. Mm. And if we're not taking actions and putting certain things in place for us to evolve, then what you will have is a dying race. Yeah. Um, You know? It's so many things that when you look at the things that are being implemented in today's society to kill us off essentially yeah, right yeah. um television is one of those things all right music is one of those things pharmaceuticals one pharmaceuticals of food yeah. um so many things that you think about is just like they're they're literally meant to kill us off right so we're we are a dying breed and the thing that amazes me is the fact that we fight for certain things that are killing us yeah. Right. When when we think that we're doing the right thing. Right. So um, recently, something that's a, a touchy topic is abortion laws. Mm. Right. And banning abortion in certain places. And you see the majority of the outrage coming from our people where that law was not even implemented for us. Right. It, it, it had no concern of us. It was to protect their maternity rates and make sure that they were producing more babies because they are the dying race. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's little things like that where you start to understand a little bit more and, and, and because we lack the knowledge or the understanding, we start to fight for certain things that we don't really need. But you know what? I've often thought about this with so much knowledge out there. I mean, with the invention of YouTube, Mm-hmm. Google, where just about everything is accessible at your fingertips. Why we don't seek out this knowledge for ourselves? What is it? Is it because we're distracted by so many other things like fashion, um, music? I I don't get it. I honestly don't get it sometimes. I, I think it's a combination of things, right? It's It is a combination of the distractions and, and everything else. But I think ultimately it comes down to the fact that knowledge is potential power, right? And what I mean by that is, yes, we have uh, information at our fingertips, but information is only information. Or when you look at data, right? Mm-hmm. Data is just data until you interpret what you what the data actually means mm-hmm. and then what you can do with that data. So knowledge is only potential power meaning you have to apply it for it to work. Right, right. right? Mm-hmm. And and what we have now is a problem of uh, abundance of information, so much information that we get analysis paralysis. Constantly you, coming at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, and, and I came up with this, this slight theory uh, a while back where I was saying the problem that we face in the world is t- uh, time delay, right? And what I mean by that is the fact that, yes, there is information at our fingertips, But the thing is, who's getting the correct information at the right time, Mm. right? So in our world, correct or truth is equivalent to speed and convenience, Yeah, right? So whoever pays the most money to pop up at the top of the ad page, they are the truth, right? Whoever gets you the information the fastest, that's why TMZ always wins, right? When you think about it, because they are always on the scene first. 
Mm. Right. They get to get out the, the news article of whatever they want because right. they have the convenience. Right. So and um, what is Fox News? Man, <laughs> man. They all they all the mafia. They all I mean, the, I mean this is it it amazes me how how do I put this? I just cannot wrap my mind around all of this misinformation yeah. that a news outlet would spew in a so-called democracy mm. See. and they're not shut down. I mean, in a communist country, they will be shut down in a split second. And this is where you start to realize they're all in this together. You know, you know that song I've where all, all in all, this. I've always said that they are both evil, but one is slightly less evil yeah. than the other. Oh man. I think they're working on the same yes. team. The same all of this, team. all of this January 6th, hearings and stuff like that. I'm like, there's nothing more for you to find out. It's, we already know it. We already know. The first one, seven, already giving us enough information to put the guy in jail. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he's going to go to jail. I don't think he's going to serve any time based on all the facts that we already know. So this is where we have to ask ourselves, why do we rely on a system that has never proven us any good right or or done any good for us i know right I we know. constantly it's the same topic of why do we expect our children to be educated by our oppressors i know it doesn't exactly. work right you would never send your your friend or your child to the murderer's house and say babysit my child <laughs> you know so that that's essentially what we've been doing for You're a right. lot of this time right. we, we we turn our our family members and our friends over to the murderers and the oppressors and we expect them to do good with us yeah right so when we go into these courts and first of all no one can judge you other than god so therefore the ruling is always going to be unfair i mean the constitution itself was not the constitution was not designed people. for us right you know we we are in the eyes of the constitution we are still three-fifths human exactly right so Number one, we have to realize this is not a black problem. This is a human rights yeah. issue, right? Yeah. Um, it wasn't a civil right issue. It was a human right issue. Mm -hmm. So these these types of things and what we're fighting for, right? We've had equality for a very long time now. If you want to really think about it, we have the opportunity to have all of the same thing that the white man and the white woman has. What we're fighting for now is what's called equity. We yeah. want an equal and fair chance at the same things that we're fighting for. Do you think that will ever happen in America? Uh, I have hope, <laughs> right? Um, and if it, if it can't happen in America, then we have to go somewhere else and start it for ourselves. Well, already people are going elsewhere, you know? I mean, Africa is looking brighter and brighter to a lot of African-Americans particularly. I mean, um, I think last year alone over 5,000? Five, 5, mm-hmm. 5,000, I think, um, African-Americans have relocated to, to the continent of Africa. And um, if YouTube is any indicator,